And I shoot my shot and stuck a wild way it's going in. Cross niggas like Bubba Chuck, I never gave a fuck. Hook shot a hole like Kareem, but I never lead a fuck. I hit that Janobi with my left hand all like, woo. Bitch, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. James Harden with the range on me, nigga, way back. Michael Jordan, 1985, bitch, I traveled with a cocaine search. And you could live through anything if magic made it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, now you do. What up, my fellow NBA lovers? This is your guy, Marcellus Ease, and there's a lot going on in the association right now. We're beginning to get a clear picture of who's actually in charge of the 76ers in the new hiring of Daryl Morey. The Brooklyn Nets got a stacked coaching staff. They even went with players such as Amari Stoudemire, and they got a bunch of great assistant coaches, including the hire of Mike D'Antoni. We also got the leader of the players union and Michelle Roberts stating that the league is gonna take a hit and it's how bad it's gonna be and who's gonna take it between owners and players. And the league proposes an idea to the players to possibly restart the season before Christmas or right around Christmas, which is pretty much too quick. So I'm wondering if the pressure is coming not only for the league trying to make the Summer Olympics and have their players showcased, but are their TV partners also pressuring the league to have a correct start date and not compete with the NFL and other sports leagues due to the results of the ratings during the bubble. And speaking of financials, the Utah Jazz and the Miller family decided to sell the team and they made a nice little come up. But we'll take a look at some of the details of that transaction because it's going to affect some of the net worths of some of these other teams, particularly the small market teams. But before we get to all that, I know a lot of you got a lot of different interests and hobbies and a lot of things you guys are trying to do. So check out my weekly gems. It's in the description below. Got a bunch of books, weekly music playlists. Things you could download straight into your phones, magazines, great articles to keep you in the know and kind of filter out some of that bullshit information that's coming through our phones. Now, as we all know, the Philadelphia 76ers just recently hired Daryl Morey, and I am going to make this part of my series. Who's really making the decisions in Philly? And this will be volume three as like once again, Daryl Morey's hired. But Philadelphia, after the bubble, they recently revamped their whole front office. They got rid of a lot of guys. A lot of guys got demoted. Elton Brand actually got an extension as a GM, but as we all know now, Daryl Morey now is one of the guys that's kind of making the decisions as he's signed a five-year deal to become president. But before then, this is the situation where it gets kind of tricky. Of course, Doc Rivers signed a five-year deal with the 76ers to become the head coach. And this is the before the hiring of the president, which is, this is very unusual still. So it seems like ownership is still kind of making decisions and just plugging guys in. So Daryl Morey does have the power of being president of basketball operations but of course a lot of the front office guys that he, he's going to be working with was not his decision but who knows maybe there was a backdoor agreement ahead of time after the bubble with the rockets early exit and philly's early exit because once again doc rivers getting a five-year deal and daryl morey signing for five years in maybe these guys knew ahead of time that they was going to be working together now another interesting thing to look out in this whole situation is how Daryl Morey left the Rockets now that he signed his five-year deal with Philly. Because upon his exit, he did say he wanted to spend time with his kids, his family. And now all of a sudden, not even a few months go by, he quickly, you know, signs in for another job, locked in for five years. But ever since Tillman Fertitta took over as a new owner for the Houston Rockets, he's been very cheap with the moves he's been making. As we all know, Daryl Morey, he's a gunslinger. This guy's gonna make some deals. He's going to call some guys. He's going to work out contracts. 
he doesn't really need someone over his head kind of holding him back as far as how much money he can spend so it seems like these guys were butting head ever since Tillman took over and we all know since the pandemic Tillman Fertitta has been taking a lot of hits in his hotels and casinos and he's been very cash strapped and it's rumored that he actually even borrowed money from the previous owner in order to buy the team so who knows maybe him and Daryl Morey worked out a possible buyout where Daryl Morey took less money because he already knew that he had the Philly deal lined up and this presents another interesting thing that I want to bring up later is that how maybe guys are working out deals within the bubble this past season is because a lot of guys were around each other that normally wouldn't be around so who knows maybe a lot of talking a lot of chit chatter and guys are probably working out deals for the next season so now with Daryl Morey being in Philly we're gonna see how he caters to working around the talent of Ben Simmons and Embiid because one of his downfalls in Houston which is most NBA presidents and GMs downfall because of politics is sticking to the wrong star James Harden actually gave Daryl Morey his name but at the same time it did have a glass ceiling on it because James Harden is a guy you could build around but when you want to get to the promised land there's going to be a cap on that so now him going to the east coast in Philly we're going to see if he can use those same skill sets in which he got players that catered around James Harden's game where he can get a new set of guys to cater around Ben Simmons game and Embiid and see how he put the 76ers team together I don't think it's going to look the same like how it did in Houston of course these guys are going to need three-point shooters but the way Houston played I believe Philly's going to play a completely different style and Daryl Moore is going to figure that out the only thing I wonder is if he's really going to be the guy fully to make all the decisions because as we all know when you have too many guys that have their hand in the pot making decisions things kind of get blurry and Jimmy Butler touched base on this with J.J. Redick as they both experienced this in Philly. I want you guys to check it out. I didn't know who the fuck was in charge. I think that was that was my biggest thing. I didn't know what the fuck to expect whenever I was going to the to the gym, whenever I going to the plane, whenever I going to the game. I was like, man, I I think I was as lost as the next motherfucker. Meaning there was just there was a just, lot of voices, yeah, and a lot of input so much, from a lot of different places, and just so much going on on any yeah. given day. I was like, yep, I guess I'm just here to work. I didn't even know who to talk to. The 76ers do have a long history of this. They did this to Sam Hankey. They transitioned him while he was still in the position, out of the position. And now they're kind of doing the same thing to Elton Brand, where they made a lot of commitments to guys even after this offseason. So with ownership shuffling the deck within the front office, after doing all that, they then put Daryl Morey as team president. This is very strange. But overall, Moore is a good hire for them. He's going to give them a little bit more vision as far as how to build this team. And he's a deal maker. He's going to, you know, hit the phone, cut a lot of deals. I got to say, man, Del Moore, I don't agree with his analytics in Houston because it does have a, a cap in which it produces great regular season basketball. But when you want to get to that promised land, just with James Harden, it wasn't going to work. But as far as him make cutting deals, getting CP3, getting other guys on the team to surround Harden, and even making changes to get Westbrook when it ended up not working out with CP3, as far as making trades and deals, this guy's a gunslinger. And right now, Philly definitely needs something like that. Speaking of deals, my oh my, the Players Association and the league, they're about to come to a serious clash because next season, it doesn't look like there's going to be a vaccine, no fans in the stands. So there won't be no revenue sharing. So a lot of small market teams are not going to be willing to pay salary without hitting that revenue sharing program because fan and ticket revenue is about 40% of the league's revenue. 
So somebody's got to take a hit. And they're presenting ideas in which they want the players to either start the season earlier or they want the players to take a high pay cut in form of an escrow tax on their check. So they'll get paid their regular salary, but some of it's going to be withheld. So let's say everyone knows, you know, you guys got to pay federal tax, state tax, your hospital, your Medicare, whatever insurance you got, you got to pay your agent. That off rip is probably about 40% plus out of your check. And the owners are presenting another tax on top of that, which is called the escrow tax, in which they're going to just hold 30% more. So that's crazy. They're going to hold that. And then they're going to, the players are going to make the rest of their salary. And then when the season ends, out of that 30% that they held for the whole year, the owners are going to calculate their losses. And if they take too much of a hit, especially operating costs in these stadiums, or just a lot of just overall operating costs, they're going to deduct that from that 30%. And they're going to give the players back maybe a small percentage or they might give them nothing back. So the players got to come to the negotiating table with this deal possibly presented to them. And it's definitely going to be a clash. Somebody's got to take a hit. It's either these billionaires or these players are going to take a hit. Remember, the league is in a 50-50 revenue split with the, between the players and the owners. But Michelle Roberts spoke on this. You guys check it out. You know, in prior negotiations, there's always been this sort of, well, you know, he say, she say about who's losing money and who's not losing money and you know, what teams are profitable and what teams are not. And, and, and beyond saying that, I will say that the difference between what we have to do now is that there's, there's just some reality that we don't have to fight about. And the reality we don't have to fight about is that we're going to take a revenue hit. There's just no getting around that. We do not have any ability to reasonably expect that we're going to have fans and arenas in the same way that we did pre-COVID. I mean, we probably won't. It's not probably, we won't, right? And you know, gate receipts was a substantial percentage of basketball-related income. So the pie is, is we all know, and we don't have to even argue about who's poor and who's not. What's clear is we're going to have a smaller pie to divide. So the question becomes, you know, how are we going to do this? How do we divide this much smaller pie in a way that, 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 is consistent with the letter and the spirit of the current CBA. You know, it's a 49-51% split. And I, I, the, you know, on the one hand, the owners say, well, we want our share, and players say, yeah, well, we want our share too. Um, and the issue is what dollars are already committed, what expenses are fixed. Um, if, if everyone knows that we've got to take a cut, I mean, every players are prepared and understand that they're going to see less money less next year because it's le less money that's going to be made. And again, the pie is getting smaller. But how do we manage this reduction in revenue? Um, do we attempt to have everybody just die in the first year? Do we, do we spread out the loss over some period of years? Um, how do we... You know, come up with ways to to generate alternatives to the revenue that we're, we know we're going to lose out on because of the the, the absence of butts in the seats. Um, what 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 do we do about salary cap? What do we do about tax? I mean, at the end of the day, the good news, in addition to the fact that yes, there's a huge revenue loss. The other piece that's just a given, I think, and I think the that that, that the, the league would agree, is that this game is going to rebound. So we need to come up with a, with a formula and that's nimble, that's flexible, that reflects the reality of the revenue that we're going to lose, but allows for 
the fact that this virus is either going to make things going to go away or not go away, or, but we got to figure out ways to manage it and be able to continue to make money. I think that the guy and at the league are smart. I think that the guys and the gals at the PA are smart. I, we have been able to thus far, knock on wood, negotiate any number of things in good faith. We had to deal with the force majeure provisions and the, and the, and the, and the revenue that was going to be potentially lost by the players and in connection with that. And we managed to work it out such that rather than lose a full 25% of their contracts, you're right, we're probably down to about 15%, which is, which is substantial. So, I, you know, I, I, I am of the view, if you have to make a deal, you will. And we do. We're, we're married. This partnership can't survive without, without, without each other. Um, and so we've started talking so far. No one's thrown a chair at, at anybody yet. <laughs> and and I, 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 I don't think I'm, I'm being unre unreasonably optimistic. I think I'm being realistic. Uh, we, we have a golden goose, and nobody, nobody wants to kill it. Now, our goose has been wounded. Let's figure out a way to repair her um, such that no one goes away and walks away thinking they've been unfairly disadvantaged. Um, so, you know, so, so far so good, but it, it, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that these are not going to be very serious conversations in the next few weeks. The Golden Goose definitely has been wounded, and it's really up to who's going to take that L. And the owners already taking losses from their outside businesses. We've seen owners like the Houston Rockets, owner of Tillman Fatita, his casinos, hotels, that's a dub. Mickey Arison in Miami, all his cruise lines, that's a dub. So with losses like that, we all know those are in the billions. You think the owners want to take other losses in their other ventures? That's possibly in the millions? I don't think so. But the players definitely had a lot of leverage going into the bubble to negotiate something. I believe personally that they gave up a lot of leverage back then and they have less of it now because the owners could technically rip up the current bargaining agreement and make a new one based off of the revenue and the circumstance that's happening right now and that's not going to be a good result for the players and when these negotiations begin to ratchet up best believe there's going to be a lot of outside influence especially the 2021 summer olympics that's going to be one influence in which they're going to want the nba to start their season early so they can showcase their players in that event and it's also good for the nba because it's almost like a global promotion of the league now you're going to also look at the tv partners they're going to want the nba to start up possibly earlier or just in a way in which they can schedule their other programs to not affect the revenue because having the league go up against the nfl this season has not really yielded great results they haven't really even said the results it must be really bad so that's why we probably see rumors of the league floating ideas that they want to start around christmas they saw that nfl smoke and they want no part of it Speaking of owners that didn't want any smoke, Gil Miller and the Utah Jazz actually sold the team along with the newly renovated stadium for $1.6 billion. That's definitely a come up for them because they purchased the team for about $27 million and they sold it to a longtime ticket holder, a tech billionaire named Ryan Smith. He's definitely going to keep the Utah Jazz in Utah, which is one of the big things that the Miller family wanted. And they've also done a great job throughout the years keeping the franchise not only there, but competitive in the 35 years that they owned the team. Remember, they kept them competitive in the 90s with Carl Malone and John Stockton, in the 2000s, getting Darren Williams, they had Andre Karolinko. And this team has always remained competitive. Even to today, they got Donovan Mitchell. Great job by the Miller family. A very small market, 
kind of mom and pop franchise, but they've been one of the most winningest franchise since they took over, which is unbelievable because you look at a lot of big market franchise, they're struggling. So the Millers are making them look bad, but it's a win-win. They came up in money. They gave the fan base a great product, and then they're keeping the team in the city. Congratulations on the great deal, but also at the same time, curving a lot of smoke that was going to come within holding on to the team. They already laid off a lot of employees, so I guess they didn't want that publicity. And also, they know upcoming, there's going to be a bumpy ride within the NBA league, especially for the mom and pop franchises, as I believe there's other NBA owners that don't have as much deep pockets. Like the Minnesota Timberwolves owner, he has a team up for sale constantly, and they're not going to want to stick around with no fan revenue, and they still have to pay the players out their salary. And then also at the same time, they're taking losses from their other businesses. So we'll see how this all plays out. And last but not least, the Brooklyn Nets have just ratcheted up a bit, and they got Mike D'Antoni to add on to their very stacked coaching staff. Some of their assistant coaches are not going to be there that long at that position. They got Jack Vaughn. He's going to get sought after. Of course, Mike D'Antoni, as we all know, and Ume Uduka. He came up under Popovich, and he's very respected throughout the league. They're very stacked. They got Amari Stoudemire that they hired as development player coach. Ryan Kelly, which they always had already. They have a few other coaches that they already had in their staff, but this team is prepared, man. People, A lot of people are saying Steve Nash is inexperienced, but he has a lot of guys behind him that's going to do the scouting, that's going to do a lot of the dirty work. And this team, if Kevin Durant comes back in true form, should be ready to make that championship run. They should be the best team in the Eastern Conference, especially if they could retain the services of Joe Harris. They could develop the younger guys and kind of integrate them more into the system that around Durant and Kyrie Irving, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. That's where the player development is going to be crucial to get these guys to understand their role around their two superstars but this is this is very different i would say by the brooklyn nets it's very unique what they're doing here as far as the coaching staff but they should be well prepared to take on the task of what they need to get done because a lot of people are saying steve nash is very inexperienced to be at the position that he's at but he's been a point guard in the league for many years and of course point guards as we all know they're floor generals and steve nash has a lot of guys that have a lot of experience behind him so it is what it is until next time, you guys stay safe. Peace.